Green Street Radio is a production of Grassroots Environmental Education. Learn more about us and our programs at www.grassrootsinfo.org or follow us on Facebook at Grassroots Info and on Twitter at Grassroots E-N-V-E-D. Welcome to Green Street, the environmental podcast where we talk about things in the air we breathe, the food we eat, and the water we drink that can have an impact on our health and the health of our families. Water is essential to life. You can live for a while without food, but not without water. Your body is about 60 to 70% water, and every cell in your body needs it to function. And it can't just be any water. It needs to be clean water, free from contaminants and pathogens and chemicals that can do more harm than good. Ensuring a safe water supply is the responsibility of the Environmental Protection Agency, which, at least in the old days, considered the scientific facts and then established guidelines for how much of any particular substance could be in our water. State governments can impose stricter rules than the EPA or develop their own standards for anything not regulated by the EPA. On this edition of Green Street, we're gonna talk about a chemical compound called 1,4-dioxane, which has found its way into the water supplies of hundreds of millions of Americans. And our guest is Adrian Esposito, the executive director of Citizens Campaign for the Environment. What in the world, Adrian, is 1,4-dioxane? Well, 1,4-dioxane is actually a man-made chemical. It is never found in nature. It's what's called a synthetic uh, volatile organic chemical. And unfortunately, it's found in uh, many household products. It is listed by the U.S. EPA as being a likely human carcinogen, which unfortunately means it's likely to cause cancer. And really what it is is that it is a chemical that is a byproduct of the manufacturing process. And what what I mean by that is it's not an ingredient. It's not put in a product. It just comes out of the result of products being manufactured. So it is listed uh, by the U.S. EPA as a likely human carcinogen, which means it's likely to cause cancer, even in very low amounts. So it's a very uh, serious uh, toxic chemical um, that unfortunately is found in about 47% of household products. So what kind of household products would, would that be? It's actually a lot of shampoos, uh, dishwashing soap, laundry soap. And I'm sorry to say this, but even baby products like baby wipes um, and baby soaps and shampoos. So the challenge is that it's very difficult for the regular consumer like you and I to know what products it's in because, as I mentioned, it's not an ingredient. So it's not required by law to be listed on the label, and therefore it's not. Right. So what happens? So you so it, it's it, it's actually created from a combination of products, or created from a process that um, that is used. That, no, that's right. And and what also I think is interesting is um, right now the United States FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has what's called an advisory or a guidance document that voluntarily asks manufacturers to filter out the 1,4-dioxane uh, in the process so that it doesn't end up in the product. Now, some of them do that. Some of them actually do that. But unfortunately, it's not a mandatory uh, requirement. So many do not do that. 
So that would be on the federal level. The fed the the federal agencies could actually require um, that any manufacturer making one of these um, these household products, like uh, shampoos or detergents or so on, would have to go that extra step and remove the one four dioxane before it was available um, to the customer. That's right. And actually, Senator Schumer uh, formally petitioned the FDA last year to do that. Now, under the current federal administration, I'm not sure we're going to succeed, but at least uh, there is a strong appeal. And I think actually it was co-signed by Senator Gillibrand. um, And it really would need to pick up steam with other U.S. senators across the nation. So at least that process has started. They know there's an interest in doing that. And uh, we'll see what happens. Adrian, if, if uh, obviously 1,4-Dioxane has been around for a, a while, right? I mean, this is not something that's brand new. Why haven't we heard about this before? That's a great question. Um, it actually is what's called an emerging contaminant, which means that water districts are not required by federal law to test our water for that chemical. However, uh, a couple of years ago, Back in 2015, the uh, EPA decided that they would do a test, knowing that it now was an emerging chemical, and they required actually 4,400 different water suppliers across America for the first time to test for 1,4-dioxane. And unfortunately, you know, we like to be the first here and everything on Long Island, but not in this case. Um, We had the highest levels of anywhere in the nation were right here on Long Island because of our groundwater system. Right. And that, and, and that happens with, with other chemicals, too, just like you say, because of our groundwater system and because of our soils and so on, which are um, primarily sandy. Um, okay, so um, another important question. So it's not just household products, from what I understand, but it's also a um, synthetic chemical uh, you know, that's used as a solvent um, for industrial chemicals. Is that right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's right. I should have said that. Um, so there's two sources of 1,4-Dioxane. One is the regular household products that we use, but the other is um, it was used as a solvent. And also, uh, so when we have it in our, contamina- in our groundwater, it's actually what we call legacy contamination. Uh, it's left over from industries that used to dump or have leaked or have spilled. Uh, they're toxic chemicals. So, for instance, in the Grumman plume, um, they now have done a complete analysis of all the different chemicals in the Grumman plume, and there are 24 of them, and one of them is 1,4-dioxane. So many, uh, actually the New York State DEC did a very proactive thing, and they mandated that the Superfund sites and the toxic plumes on Long Island need to be retested for the presence of 1,4-dioxane. Okay, and they're going to find it because uh, you know because it's a this is the you know one four dioxane is actually used in uh, in TCA uh, and TCA what, is found what's, all over. TCA, TCA is a, it's just an it's an industrial um, chemical, um, a chlorinated solvent, and so and that's one thing that we know is in a lot of these uh, these Superfund sites is the TCA. So they're going to find one four dioxane. So all right, so Absolutely. they're. So there are things that are that are that are going on here now. Um, so so far, we don't really have any federal or New York State um, drinking water standard. Does any state have a drinking water standard for it? Probably not. Yes. Yeah, so let me address that. Um, and that's the, the the real challenge right now. It's the first step challenge. Um, 
because it's not required to be tested for, it doesn't have a hard and fast drinking water standard. And what that means for the listeners is it defaults to what's called the generic standard for any volatile organic chemical, which is 50 parts per billion. I don't want to get too technical, but just remember the number 50. Right. However, the EPA health guidance standard is point, point three five. So we're now using 50, but there's a health guidance standard by the U.S. EPA for point three five. That is a dramatic difference. But 0.35 parts per billion as opposed to 50 parts per billion, which is currently the standard. And the health, the health standard, they're saying, is 0.35. That's right. That's and, and, right. and everywhere they tested wow. it on Long Island, they are finding levels that are significantly higher than the 0.35 parts per billion. Well, uh, I wouldn't say everywhere, um, but I was, we actually, CC put together an interactive map. People can go on our website. Right. Let me just let me just say that again so our our listeners can hear that CCE Citizens Campaign for the Environment. If you go onto their website, they do have this map that shows um, where on Long Island it was tested for and what those results were. That's correct. And so there um, are some areas that actually came out pretty good, uh, but unfortunately, many areas did not. And, in fact, um, Hicksville, which had the highest level of anywhere in the nation, they actually, which was 33 parts per billion, they closed down there well once they uh, found that determination, that uh, testing level. Um, but other places, too, Valley Stream, um, they had 12 parts per billion. Uh, other places had 11, 10, 9, 6, 5. So the problem in the challenge here, as, as Patty said, is there's no established drinking water standards federally nor in the state of New York. Now, the good news is um, that New York State has put together a new drinking water uh, task force, and their first order of business is to come up with a health-based drinking water standard for one four-dioxin for the state of New York. Uh, they're a little behind schedule. They were supposed to do it uh, earlier, but they've only had their second meeting, and it, 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 does, it is something that does take a lot of time and consideration. They're using a lot of science on this. Um, as soon as they create a standard, then that's something that can be enforced. But here's the other challenge. It's very difficult to filter this out of drinking water. It's, uh, they need a new technology that is right now being developed, which Suffolk County Water Authority is actually um, the leaders in developing it for Long Island. It's an advanced oxidation system that would get the 1,4-dioxane out of our water, and uh, it's going to be a little pricey. <laughs> yeah, so I hear it's like a, a million, million point three per well to do this. Is that correct? They do it on each well? That's what they're saying right now, yes. But I will say, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. We always said that growing up. <laughs> and as we need more of this type of technology... What they're now looking at is an add-on to the normal, but people, people probably don't know this, but unfortunately, many wells on Long Island are already using general filtration systems, which is a carbon-activated or carbon-granulated system. Right. Filtering out the normal toxic chemicals. <laughs> all the other stuff. Yeah, all the other stuff. The other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they're normal, I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, this new system could be an add-on 
and, uh, and would just give another level of filtration. So we really believe as the technology becomes developed and the demand increases, the price will come way down. We've seen that with everything in America, right? Cell phones and, and every other technology. As the demand increases, the technology develops and the price comes down. So, yes, right now it is very expensive. There's no getting away from it. But so is cancer. So, yes. you know, we need okay. this. It's, it's a necessity. So, not a luxury. Clean water is a necessity, not a luxury item. Um, but we do, do really believe the price uh, for the treatment systems will be coming down. Let me make sure I've got this scenario straight. We're going to take who knows how long to develop a standard for what should be allowed in drinking water, and then it's going to take who knows how long to, to have these mitigation techniques put on the wells. In the meantime, we have a pretty well-established cancer-causing agent in our water. Right. I mean, it, it, where's the sense of urgency to do something about this? Well, I, there wasn't any, actually, until last year um, when, frankly, the environmental groups, all of us, uh, all the environmental groups together got involved and said exactly what you just said, Doug. Hey, wait a minute. You know, maybe this is considered, quote, an emerging chemical, unquote, but it's a very serious one. So I will say the state has done a number of things. They have, you know, made it the priority to get a drinking water stamp a drinking water standard established this year in 2018. Um, we are definitely watchdogging them about that. And also they um, kind of, they gave Suffolk County Water Authority a million dollar grant to continue the development of this technology and to bring it up to a larger scale. And the Water Authority is doing that. Um, and we have to do another thing too. We have to Clean up what's in our water, but we have to prevent additional contamination. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's the next yeah. question that I was. Well, there are two there are two things. So, um, let me just stop and and go on a different tact right now. So, you're saying that the the remediation is going to have to take place in order to remove it at the um, at the the well level or the water district level. There are a lot of people on Long Island who are already filtering their water and buying bottled water or doing whatever because they're concerned about contaminants, not just 1,4-Dioxane, but other contaminants too. So there is no, and I want you to confirm this, but there is no household water filtration system, however, you know, uh, sophisticated or advanced, that can take 1,4-Dioxane out of the water. To the best of my knowledge... That is correct, that it, that system has to have this advanced oxidation uh, technology or methodology. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, you know, the home systems just don't do that. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you another yeah. quick question, which I don't think you've ever been asked, or maybe you have. <laughs> so are those places on Long Island that have relatively low levels or no level of this um, pulling their water out of the Lloyd Aquifer? Uh, some of them are the Lloyd Aquifer, yes. And some of them are just... Uh, People, I'm sorry. Pretty remote. Very small water districts yeah. that are out east um, and don't have a lot of industry surrounding them or have very uh, low po- lower population. Low population, yeah. But really, I think the number was, you know, 70% of uh, the drinking water wells that we evaluated or the drinking water municipalities and systems that were evaluated had uh, levels of 1,4-Dioxane. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really prevalent, unfortunately, in Long Island's water supply. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is it Adrian? Is it in other places in New York State, or is is Long Island alone? In other words, is there going to be political pressure in Albany from other parts of the state for a, a, a solution to this? You know, we're just looking into that now. There are other aquifer systems, for instance, in the Finger Lakes. Uh, they had some hits also. They have one or two little aquifer systems there. Um, we now know it's showing up just in trace amounts in some of the surface water, like in the Great Lakes. Um, so you have to remember it wasn't mandated to be tested for. So all of this is honestly happening right now. Uh, there's more testing for it. There's more uh, awareness of it. So all of that uh, information has to be compiled. So I hope the answer to your question is yes, Doug, because that's exactly what we need, yeah. and that's the goal this year. And and on the federal level, we're finding it in many other states as well as Long Island? Yeah, yeah I mean, California, Massachusetts, and some of the other states have already put together, not necessarily drinking water standards, which we thought was very odd, but they put together a public notification standard. Well, I don't know what they think the public's going to do if you notify yeah, them. Yeah, really? Um, they put together, um, you know, a standard where they have to look for the source. But they didn't establish uh, in our research hard and fast drinking water standards. So this is new, not only to New York, but it's new to the to America. Um, and we really need for this to happen quickly. Right. Even uh, in California. So- and, and those standards, by the way are ranging from 0.25 to 3, depending on what the state um, is uh, creating a standard for. If it's an action level, public public education level. So uh, it's much less than 50, which is what New York is using right now. Now, when you say New York, is that the New York State Department of Health is using that standard of 50 parts per billion? Yes, they okay. have to because that's the federal generic standard and there's no other standard available right now. Even though the EPA health standard said it should be 0.35. Well, it's a health guidance standard. Okay. Not legally binding. Okay. Since of you, course not. Since you mentioned EPA, <laughs> I can't help but ask you this question. I'm assuming that uh, this additional process that the manufacturers would have to go through would cost some money. And now that they've got a very good friend sitting at the head of the EPA... Uh, what's your guess on whether the EPA is really going to get involved and in, in, in enforce this kind of a rule? I would think there'd be a lot of pushback from industry, and Scott Pruitt is not, you know, has not been a friend to environmentalists generally. Um, yes, Doug, I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> he's not been a okay. friend to our okay. water, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a friend, but not to the regular people. Yeah. Um, okay, we, we have a backup plan now. Here's the good news. I'm going to spill the beans a little bit on your radio show, but I want everyone to stay tuned because what we need to do is not rely on the EPA because we can't do that right now, unfortunately. And it's not that, and I want to specify this, it's not that great, dedicated people don't work for the EPA. They do. Um, But they're being directed to not take as many aggressive actions as they have in the past. So let me say that. But, so here's plan B. Plan B is the one thing that a lot of these companies still respond to is public pressure and public relations. So we need to better understand what products have 1,4-dioxane in them. In order to do that, we need to have independent testing. So this year, CC just received a grant to independently test a couple of household products, not a lot, but hopefully at least over a dozen, and see which ones have 
want Ford Aspen, and if they do, what level? And then we're going to put out a shopper's guide nationally, and we're going to ask people to join in and call on those companies that have one for dioxin in their shampoo and in their laundry soap and in their baby wipes to boycott those products and to buy other safer products. Yeah, yeah, good. I like that's that. An ambitious, that's that's an ambitious you know, initiative, that would be fantastic because that's really, I mean, we always look at, at you know, at, at the source. You've yeah. got to just keep going back to the source. You just can't keep putting Band-Aids on all these problems, and you know there are so many problems. Well, and, so, and also that's you're, right, Patty. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've got to get rid of it at the source. Also, you're putting the entire cost of cleaning up on the consumer and the taxpayer rather than on the manufacturer. The manufacturers, you know, they make their products, they and put they them walk in the market, away. and they walk away. Yeah, exactly. And it's not right. Well, that's great. Know, it's like, it's that's like the drug company. I mean, same thing. I have yep. assumed no responsibility in either the drug drug epidemic or getting unwanted uh, prescriptions that are either outdated or just people don't need them anymore out of you know people's medicine cabinets. They assume no responsibility. That's right. Well, so here we go. So we are asking the public to take responsibility for this, but it's for our health. So it's a you know it's it's the way things get done. It's, you know, the squeaky wheel gets greased uh, theory, and and it works. Yes. Only I got to, you know, we have to arm the public with knowledge, and yep. we're just not there yet because the information, I mean, I can't tell you. I have some great researchers on staff. There is very little, very little out there that tells us what products have one for dioxin and what doesn't? Right. Very little updated information. Right. Uh, well, we I, I the the it, it's going around that Tide laundry, liquid laundry detergent has one of the highest levels and all Tide products. Um, so you know you could go out with a let's change the Tide. I don't know whatever. <laughs> right. It's time to stem the tide. To stem the tide, change the tide, whatever we're going to do. Okay. Obviously, they can't stop. There's a couple things we need to keep the pressure on for the state. Um, to get this drinking water standard done expeditiously. I mean, we want it done carefully, don't get me wrong, and we yeah. want it done right, yeah. but we also want it done. Yeah. They can continue to, um, you know, write to the governor and just say, you know, when do you expect to have the health standard, uh, the drinking water standard, sorry, for one four day saying That would be very helpful. Uh, people could stay tuned for the results of this uh, independent testing study, uh, which will be completed by the end of this year. And um, people can also, you know, stop buying some of the, the products that don't have chemicals in them in the first place. Yeah. That not only helps their family, but it helps protect the quality of our drinking water. So is there a list somewhere of products that uh, manufacturers who have voluntarily, uh, you know, come out and said, you know, our products do not contain 1,4-Dioxane? Because, you know, people get overwhelmed with, you know, going online and doing research and so on and so on. Right, and you can't even, I'm telling you, honestly, you can't even do research to find out which products do and which products don't. Um, but I will say that, um, actually, this is kind of funny, we wrote to a bunch of the different companies, only one responded, and that was Seventh Generation, yeah. who committed to not having any one for dioxin yeah. in there. Right, I'm, yeah, right. I'm not surprised, a good company. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Um, so that's why, that's actually what motivated us to do the independent testing, because even some of the good guys, I think, just don't get it. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then, but and then there's one other thing, and that is that you there are certain 
pr there are certain chemicals and products that will actually create 1,4-dioxane. So it, those products are, you know, things that be, that end in the in the letters e, e T H F or Oleth. Um, am I right about that? There are there are. You're 100 percent correct. Right. So the, and those are those are something you know those are some things that um, that the public can actually. Uh, say, know, look say, for. I'm sorry, say that again. The, the, the products that... Products that end in the... Ingredients. Ingredients, end. right. Okay, ingredients in the products. I'm sorry. have to be clear. Yeah. Ingredients in the products that end in F or Oleth. And I think also DEA and TEA. And there is a list somewhere. And I think that that would be valuable to, uh, you know, to also have, you know, for the public when we're asking them to, you know, to take action and call their representatives or even just for choosing... Um, you know, products or for calling manufacturers and saying, I'm not buying your product because you have XYZ in it. Right. Or just, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say, we, we were going to make a consumer's guide, but after, you know, looking at all the um, different words that could indicate 1,4-dioxane, right. it was as if the poor public would have to have a chemistry degree. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Yep. And that was the problem. So right. we wanted to make it simpler. And again, that's where the, the idea of the independent testing came. Even we, you know, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to have to read every product. i got to get my glasses on. And, <laughs> and, you know, people just don't shop like that anymore. No. So we have to make it easy for the public. I get that. Um, we, we need to do that. But we also need the state to take their action, and we need the federal government to get it out of the product in the first place. And if they won't do it, we're going to have to enlist the public's help to shame companies into doing it. I think that's great, and, and we're anxious to help you do that. Let me ask you another question, though. You know, a lot of times, you know, we've seen where companies will print on their labels, you know, this product does not contain, I don't know, RGBH, or this product does not contain... You know, uh, you know, BPA or things like that. Parabens, whatever. Uh, are, are you, do you suspect that we're likely to start seeing that in some of these other packages? This this product does not contain chemicals or contribute that create, to one contribute dioxide? to one for dioxide. Because if I, you know, actually, um, that's a, that's another um, uh, benefit I think of doing the uh, shoppers guide because the more we get the public savvy, the more a company realizes people are looking out for this, yeah. the more they're going to want to do exactly what you just suggested, which is use it as a marketing thing that yeah. they're one for day asking free. Yeah. So that's right. an excellent point, and I'm, I'm hoping that we get to that. Yes, yeah. that's the goal. So there's one other thing, and that is, you know, for our listeners, especially if you're actually using the product, are you being exposed to 1,4-dioxane, or does it only create 1,4-dioxane once it goes out into the environment? And uh, so I think that that's an important question to answer, too. Oh, yeah, that is a very important question, and I should have said that. There's uh, multiple ways for people to be exposed. The first is obviously through your drinking water, but the second, unfortunately, is through the use of a shampoo um, when there's mm. skin absorption, or even the dish soap if you're washing the dishes with your hands. Um, it, it is a, what's called a direct exposure route um, when you're using the product. Exactly. So Good that's Lord. so well, you know. But I think people they just think, oh, that's a water contaminant, well, without really thinking that you know when you're actually using a product that contains sure. those chemicals that have created one for dioxane, it's in that product well, you're using. Especially if it's in things like shampoo. I mean, that's, well, I mean, I, the first time I ever heard of one for dioxane, and I think Adrian, you know. It, 
too will 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 agree that is was when we found it in Johnson's baby shampoo, and that was years ago. Is that right? They were talking about that chemical, um, a, you know, being a, a concern that was uh, found in the uh, Johnson's baby shampoo, and that was like an outrage. Yeah, and it is an outrage. Yeah, we have become so accepting of hearing of these toxic chemicals in our water, in our products, in our baby products. But really, it is disgusting, and it's unacceptable, and we have to continue to remember that, you know, and to push ourselves to remember that this is not something we should be accepting, and it can be different, and it should be different. Right. So, you know, and this is typical for manufacturers. You know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they, they plan to remove potentially cancer-causing and other, and other chemicals, and, you know, they, they, they have their PR people come out and say that, you know, they want, oh, we want our, con- our customers and people to have complete peace of mind when they're using our products, so we're going to do this. But we're going to take four and a half years to get it out of adult products or children's products, and then, you know, another seven years to get out of adult products so they don't lose a dime. Right. Yeah. That's right. You're right. I mean, it's infuriating, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Yeah. Well, Adrian, I want to thank you so much for being our guest on Green Street. It's been terrific to have you. This is obviously a developing story. We're going to need to have you come back uh, on a regular basis, I think, and give us an update. But thank you for being on our show tonight. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the great work that you guys do. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of Green Street. Thanks for listening.